Welcome to the Rachel's English Podcast. I hope that by listening to this podcast, you will increase your listening comprehension for Americans and you will also speak better American English. If you would like a free transcript of this podcast, please visit rachelsenglish.com slash podcast and look for this episode. In today's episode, we're just going to be having conversation. And as we are speaking naturally about things, we're going to try to identify all of the interesting idioms, phrasal verbs, weird vocabulary words that we're using. And we'll stop and we'll define them. And the idea about doing this is that when we catch how we use these kinds of phrases and words in natural conversation, then we can start to better understand how they're used. It also just helps provide context for what you're hearing. Sometimes when you hear an idiom in context, it's a lot easier to understand what it means than when you're just learning definitions. So David and I have each put together a couple of questions that we're going to ask each other to get this conversation going. David, I'll start. Okay. So my question for you is, what are some of the great things about living in Philadelphia? Oh, yeah. Well... As you know, I've lived here for a long time, since 2001. And there's a couple things that I really love. It's an old city, and so it's very dense. It's walkable, meaning that in uh, comparison to some other American cities where there's more sprawl and things are spread out and are a lot more car dependent, in Philadelphia, it's really easy to walk to a lot of different things. Sprawl. That's a great vocabulary word. Uh, that is a good one. Sprawl is, yeah, when things are spread out. Oh, we talk about urban sprawl sometimes. Yeah, and I use it specifically that way in yeah. terms of urban sprawl. That's mm-hmm. a technical, not technical, but it's a specific term to indicate cities where um, population has spread in not a very planful way. Yeah. And it's very wide rather than being high. Like New York City is really high. It's very dense and there are a lot of very tall buildings where people live. So in any given block, you might have thousands of people living. Whereas in sprawl, I think of it as being, yes, unplanned, but also lower apartment buildings or houses that just mean that there's it's not physically possible to have as many people in as dense of an area. Right. Um, so yeah, so I I love that about Philadelphia. It also, it's... um. What I think of as a gritty place, it's a blue collar, you know, historically working class place where uh, there was a lot of industry, a lot of things were made here. And um, so blue collar, you basically just defined that by talking about it. In, in, in English, we have certain jobs that we'd call blue collar and certain jobs that we would call white collar. So blue collar jobs would be, like you said, industry, working like the workers kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. White collar would be more the bosses, the executives, the managers, people who are running that. Yeah, or office work versus work with your hands could mm-hmm. be a rough translation as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it literally comes from the color of one's collar, right? Like a lot of um, a lot of blue collar jobs, those uniforms tended to be blue. Yeah, that is probably where it comes from, I would imagine. I don't know that for sure, but it it seems like a very plausible explanation. Yeah, so what what would you say? Oh. Well, I think I I love how Philly is sort of cutting edge on the food scene. Cutting edge. Yeah, I mean it's it's one of the ones, one of the cities no, in the I world. No, I wasn't questioning I that. I was saying that's an interesting 
oh, phrase. Right. I totally agree that it's cutting edge. Yeah. So what does cutting edge mean? Cutting edge means um, innovating at the forefront uh, where a lot of excitement around something is is happening. A lot of interesting work and developments in a field are happening where it's cutting edge. It's at the edge where new growth is happening, mm-hmm. you could say. And so I think there's, yeah, a lot of interesting, I think there are a lot of interesting food options here and a lot of great chefs working in the city. It's definitely a foodie city. Mm-hmm. So there's I like a, that. Yeah, and there's a unique thing here of BYOs. Mm. People might see that in restaurant advertisements or listings. BYO meaning instead of having a wine and liquor license or a, a wine cellar themselves, a lot of restaurants here encourage people to bring their own wine. In other words, they're not licensed themselves to sell wine. And so you're welcome to bring your own BYO. Yeah, that stands for bring your own. And part of what has happened then is that it makes it, um, it creates a good environment for people who are launching out on their own to start a small restaurant, to start in a small space and to cook, yeah, cutting edge or avant-garde new kinds of food without having the need to invest heavily in a liquor license and in, um, I guess they're really expensive in Philly. They're really expensive and hard to get and hard to get. They're limited. And in addition, then, you know, stocking a wine cellar is an expensive part of a more traditional restaurant startup cost. So it's just fostered this great environment where you're right. There are lots of chefs trying lots of different kinds of things. It's also great for us because that means, you know, when we go out, if you can bring a bottle of wine, you pick it out at the liquor store or the wine store. And, you know, it's obviously way less expensive to buy a bottle of wine at a wine store than it is at a restaurant. I mean, that's where a lot of restaurants make a lot of their money is in the markup on alcohol. And so it's absolutely great as a diner to pick out a favorite bottle of wine to take. And then it saves you a lot of money on your meal. And, you know, I think it does allow the restaurant to just focus on what they're doing with the food, which is generally awesome. Mm -hmm. So I do love that about Philly. And that's one thing that is pretty uncommon in New York City. I think there was only there's only one restaurant I can think of that I knew was a BYO, and most other places, you know, they serve it. And if you want to bring your own bottle, they'll charge you a fee for that. Mm-hmm. But in Philly, it's there's so many BYOs where you can just bring your own bottle of something, and they don't charge you to bring it in, and you can just supplement your meal with it. It's awesome. Okay, so that's one of the things I love about it. I also love. The classical music scene here. I'm a huge classical music nerd. Love it. There's a great symphony. There's a fairly good opera, although I got spoiled living in New York with the Met. Though I've been to some stuff here in Philly that I've enjoyed. Um, so what's it mean to get spoiled? That's, mm, a, that's a food word. Yeah, food would spoil if it's left out to go bad. Uh, someone gets spoiled when they get what they want. They're thought of as being spoiled. Like if you spoil a child then you're always letting the child have what the child wants. If I'm saying I'm spoiled by the music, I was spoiled by the Met was what I said, Mm -hmm. which meant at the Metropolitan Opera in New York, I was always hearing world-class opera, just some of the very best that's happening on the planet. And so that spoiled me. I lived really close to it, and that's what I had access to. So now that I live in a city that doesn't have an opera house that's quite as cutting edge, you know, some of the productions, I'm like, eh, that wasn't that good because I got spoiled by the Met. Right. The Met gave me everything I wanted. 
Thanks for catching that. It is so hard sometimes as you're speaking to notice these idioms or phrasal verbs that we are using because they're just such a natural part of the way we express ourselves. Okay, one last thing I love about Philly is how close it is to New York City. (laughs) I'm not (laughs) surprised that's one of yours. Oh, I love it. We can hop in our car, hop in. That's a phrasal verb. That just means, you know, quickly and with no effort. We can get into the car and drive up to our friends in Brooklyn and be there in an hour 45, Mm -hmm. depending on traffic. And so, yeah, it's just, it's easy to get up there. And it also means that, you know, when I moved out of New York, I moved to Philadelphia because of David. And it meant that I didn't have to, my friendships there didn't have to change that much because I still get to see those friends quite a bit. And that's just been such an important part of my life, those friendships. Okay, David, did you think of a question? All right. So I want to ask you about, in our house, what is your favorite room and why? Oh, good question. David and I moved to our house about a year and a half ago, and I just love it. Don't you love it? It's a great house, yes. I'm so happy with it. The place where we were living before was, I don't know, I just didn't like it at all. David had been there forever, and I just moved into it and felt like I was moving into his own life without bringing much of myself. So it was really nice to pick something out together. So that's interesting. We say forever. Mm. So to a, to a non-native speaker, that's maybe confusing. Why would you say forever? So really, I lived there from 2006 to 2015. 15. So nine years. So, you know. Wait. Oh, 2006, yeah. So that's nine years. That's not forever. Specifically. So we use forever when something is longer than average. Yeah, when something feels like a long time. It can even just be that it feels like a long time. True, yeah. David had been in that apartment for a long time. The Mm -hmm. way I said it was, David had been there forever. Right. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, we moved. My favorite room, and I know you're going to laugh. So it's taken us a while to furnish these rooms. We moved from a one-bedroom through to a three-bedroom. And just have slowly, we're, we're not done by any stretch of the imagination, another great idiom. Mm. We're still not done decorating the house. So when you say by any, we're not something by any stretch of the imagination, that means even if you tried so hard to imagine it, it wouldn't be true. We are not done decorating this house. Right. That, like there's a lot of empty walls, floors that need rugs, just in general, we have some very like basic furniture in, in some rooms and then just just like it almost looks like a hotel. Our bedroom almost looks like a hotel. <laughs> you know, there's not one thing on a wall. There's not a carpet. It's just very kind of cold, which I don't like at all. Yet I will say our bedroom is my favorite room in the house. Why? So we've we've finally made a lovely living room and I love that, but still Like if I'm relaxing, if I'm going to read a book, I don't know why I would rather read it in bed than on a couch. It Mm. just is more comfy. It's a coziness feeling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm going to choose that. Um, It's funny. (laughs) Like for some reason, I, I just love, it's like my home base. I like to eat nachos and watch movies in bed. (laughs) It's like, why? It's not the best place to do that. But that's, that's what I like to do. Guilty pleasure, eating nachos and watching movies in bed. 
Guilty pleasure. So that's something that you like, but you kind of feel like you shouldn't like. That's a great phrase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's my guilty pleasure. Nachos in bed. Okay, David, what's your favorite room in the house and why? Definitely it's the kitchen. Mm-hmm. We have um, an open layout on the first floor and the kitchen and the dining room are really connected to each other. And so I love when I'm cooking and people can hang out and um, be close by. I do a lot of cooking and I love our kitchen because it's, yeah, it's just, it's really, it's open and it makes it easy to get around and cook in. Yeah. It's a social spot. Mm-hmm. So that makes it fun for me. I'm not tucked away in a back room doing the cooking when we have people over. I get to be in on the conversation and, you know, be participating even though I'm cooking and doing what I enjoy. Tucked away means put put away, sort of covered, hidden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when David is cooking, he doesn't feel tucked away because the kitchen is not separate from the rest of the house. Yeah. One thing I love about our kitchen is there's sort of a deep windowsill mm-hmm. um, for the kitchen window. And we have a couple of pots with succulents. Succulents, a succulent is a certain kind of plant. I don't even know how you would define that. They're mm. sort of thick. The yeah, stems like and leaves are really thick. Thick and glossy. and Yeah, mm-hmm. like a jade plant is a succulent. Anyway, we have a bunch of succulents in our windowsill that we got from my aunt who lives in California. And California is a great place to grow succulents. Mm-hmm. And so I... Yeah, I just love them. They're actually doing really well there in the windowsill. Yeah, they're doing great. It's south-facing, and they're they're happy. I love how that, that kitchen window looks. Okay, here's another question for you, David. When have you felt proud recently? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, so I felt proud recently um, when Stoney, our son, he, we take him to a play space pretty often. Um, it's great. Our friends actually started it, and we love it. And so we were there. Play space. And, what do you mean? Oh, right. Uh, play space. So you could say uh, playground would be a more common um, uh, term. Yeah, I think so. Most playground. People probably yeah, know that. Yeah. So that's those are usually outside, and um, you know, it, places where kids play. So a play space uh, sort of implies that it's inside, and I guess is a pretty similar word really yeah similar meaning yeah it's a place where children can play they have an indoor play space which is great for philly in the winters where they've built like a tower and a toy house and there's like all these tables where you can put together a toy train set and this kind of thing yeah so that's they have a play space Right. So what happened was, and we've, you know, we sing the ABC song a lot to Stoney and he really likes letters and words. And, and there was a moment where um, one part of the play space on one of the walls, there's a magnetic board with some magnetic letters and you can stick the letters on the board and move them around and, and um, you know, just play with the letters. And so we were way far away from that part of the play space on the other side of the room. But on the ground, he found one of these magnetic letters and he picked it up off the ground and immediately started trotting right over to the board and stuck it back up on the board with the other letters. It was just so cool that, you know, he could have just thought that it was a random thing laying on the ground, but instead he knew that it was a letter. He knew that it went with the other letters. He remembered where to go and he just went 
trot, trot, trot right over there. Yeah, you use the word trotting. He went trotting right over. Oh, yeah. So trotting is faster than a walk, mm-hmm. not quite a jog. Yeah. That's, a, that's a phrase from horse riding. Yeah, I would imagine. He went trotting right over. It, it sort of implies that he had a mission. He had something he was in mind that he really wanted to go do. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So that's a time when I was proud recently. What would you say? Well, there's something extremely exciting happening. And by the time this podcast gets edited and posted, it will have already happened. But I'm feeling really proud about my YouTube channel right now because I think this week, David, I think within the next seven days, I'm going to reach one million subscribers. Yeah. I mean, that is so cool. That is really cool. (laughs) I'm not supposed to say that kind of thing about myself, but I feel very proud of it. Um, Just very lucky I've been making videos. I posted my first video on YouTube in October of 2008, so almost nine years ago. Yeah. And it's taken a long time to get here. And, um, you know, I just I think it's awesome that so many people are coming along for the ride. Coming along for the ride? Yeah. What does that mean? Uh, they are joining me on this adventure that is Rachel's English. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's something that I'm feeling really proud of and really excited about and very, very thankful for. Mm-hmm. Okay, Rachel, I have a question. So take your mind back 10 years. So so imagine where you were, what you were doing. Tw- 2007. Yes. Okay. I was traveling in Indonesia and Thailand and living in New York City. What were you doing? I was living in Philadelphia in that apartment where I lived forever. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that's what we were doing 10 years ago. Okay. What's the question? So my question is, what is something that has changed about your personality since then? Mm. Well, okay. Let me try to remember myself. Okay. Yeah. I'm remembering myself. Got it. I guess I would say, I think that since then, in the past 10 years, I think I've developed a little bit more interest in being still and calm and just watchful. Moments where, I don't know, I'm I'm aware of letting my mind just kind of settle down. I don't think I really did that. I don't think I even knew that was an option. I think I just thought, you know, my mind goes all the time and that's that. I don't think I ever thought, oh, but what if I just watched my mind go? How would that change my relationship to all of the crap that my mind is saying? And that's been interesting. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a gaining insight there. Mm-hmm. It's a profound change. Yeah, it is. It does make a big difference, I think, in, in enjoying life. What about you? So you're living in the apartment. I was living there. And I think something that's changed is that if I go back to that point in my life and think about it, I was in a really intense um, time of growth and introspection and learning about myself and really, you know, sort of focused on me in a way that I think was good and growthful and positive, but it was really, I don't know, inward focused. And I would compare that to now where I feel I'm much more focused on our family, on Stoney, and really um, a little bit more outwardly focused on 
putting our family's needs as as the priority mm-hmm. versus versus being introspective and having my own needs be first. So introspective, meaning looking inside yourself, really paying attention to yourself and your being. Mm-hmm. Also, the word focus, you know, we we use this with like a camera, is this picture in focus? But then we also use it with where do we put our attention? You can focus inward, like you said you were doing more of 10 years ago, where again, you're introspective, you're looking at yourself, thinking about yourself, your life, or you can focus outward where you're paying more attention to the people and the environment around you. What's your focus, everybody out there? Take a second, think about it. (laughs) You can also focus on a specific project. For example, I could say, well, today I really want to focus on getting these podcasts recorded or something like that. Yeah, you're right. We really use that in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. It's a great word. All right. So let me ask you something. So, and I guess this is this includes a phrase that we'll need to define probably. But here's my question. Okay. What is one of your pet peeves? Oh yeah, let's define pet peeve. So a pet peeve is something that bothers you. Or you could say, I can't stand that. If you can't stand something, that means it really annoys you, really aggravates you. And it's a small thing. It's a it's a Something small that, yeah, is aggravating or gets under your skin. Right. It's not like a major, major issue. It's just something small that bothers you, that annoys you. Yeah. Okay. What's one of my pet peeves? Well, I'm an introvert, as we have already discussed in another podcast. And one of my pet peeves is when I'm in a public space, like on an airplane, for example, and someone tries to make this conversation with me, this big conversation. I just, I don't, I do not feel like talking to people. And so one of my pet peeves is people making conversation just for the sake of conversation. You know, we don't need to pass any information on. So I, so I would rather not talk to you. I only want to talk to people I don't know for transactional kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Like, your total is $31. Great. Here's my credit card. That kind of thing. If if there's not a need for conversation, I would rather not have it. Yeah. You're having you're enjoying your time and space and sort of relaxing and Yeah, especially now. You know, now if I'm like not on duty being Stony's mom and I'm somewhere like an airplane where I could potentially watch a movie or read a book, I really want to do that. So that's one of my pet peeves. What about you, David? Um, let's see. One of my pet peeves, this has come up a couple times recently, is um, there are these automated phone answering systems now for almost everything. So the example was that I had to call my credit card company. There was a mix-up. And um, you know, just wanted to speak to a human being. My problem only needed... It was like a 15-second explanation. I could have taken care of the actual business of the call so quickly. But instead, this thing picks up, and it's it's this automated system, and press one for, or please listen to the following options as our options have recently changed. Everybody's options have recently changed. I know. That's like the standard thing they say. It's, It's not true. No, they haven't. Anyway, so I get really worked up. Yeah, because it takes so much time to execute your one task that you have to do. Yeah. 
David, you said one thing, an example that's come up recently. So the phrase to come up means to happen, to be at the surface of something. Like Mm -hmm. this comes up every Friday. This problem comes up every time we try to take a road trip or whatever. Yeah, it means happens. Happens, yeah. Phrasal verb, to come up. Or it can also mean to be mentioned, right? Like I could say, oh, this came up the last time we were talking about Came up in conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It happened. It It happened. Yeah, you're right. Spoken. Yeah. You could still say that's the definition. It happened. Okay. A question, David, for you. I think this will probably be the last question of the podcast. So get ready to come up with a really good answer for it. Okay. Where have you never traveled to but feel that you must visit in the future? Oh, that's a great one to think about. That's fun. Well, first of all, there are lots of places. This would be a long list, but near the top would be Brazil. I would love to go to Brazil. Lots of Brazilian fans of Rachel's English, so maybe that'll be a possibility. All right, well, we have to go. Go visit them. But I would love to go to Brazil. Um, I've been to a couple other countries in South America, but never Brazil. And of course, you know, Brazil, just it's soccer and the samba soccer and the, you know, the focus on the beautiful game, the art of the way that they play football, they would say. I would just I would love to go to Brazil and go to a bunch of soccer matches. And then it just it has this huge coastline with lots of cities and all kinds of beach um beach towns, big and small. So it'd just be so fun to explore that country. It's too bad we didn't go to the World Cup when it was recently in Brazil. It's really too bad. Why didn't we do that? I don't know. Okay. Next time the World Cup is in Brazil, I promise I will take you. <laughs> Sounds good. World Cup. For those of you who don't know, it's a tournament every four years, right, David? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like the World Soccer Tournament. That's right. Who won last time? Germany, right? I don't know. Um, what year was the last World Cup? Uh, last one was 2014. I'm pretty sure it was Germany. I can actually see the final goal. Champion. Germany national football team. The final goal was beautiful. Mm. Well, congratulations, Germany. Congrats, Germany. Congrats is just another way to say congratulations. A little more casual. It's just a little shortening of the word. Oh, congrats. You can say that. It's a friendly thing to say when someone does something awesome. Yep. Okay. So that's my my must-visit spot. What about you? What would you say? Oh, gosh. Well, just like you, it's very hard. There are so many places I would like to go, but definitely my answer is Vietnam. David, what was the year when we were when we went on our first major road trip across America? That was 2013, I think. 13 or 14. Um, and we were deciding we had David was working in the school system, so he had seven weeks off. And we were like, let's take a huge trip. And we were deciding between Vietnam or a massive U.S. road trip. And we ended up choosing the massive U.S. road trip. And I wouldn't say I regret that choice, but I, I want to make absolutely sure I get to go to Vietnam sometime soon. So what, what are some of the reasons why? Well, because I've been to Southeast Asia before and just loved it. I was in Thailand and Indonesia. 
So I definitely want to go back and explore that general area of the world more. Also, I love Vietnamese food. Mm-hmm. And I've just heard good things about it. In my mind, there are some very positive associations, and I'm not even sure why. I think as Americans, too. I, I mean, I would love to go as well for all those reasons. And then in addition, you know, the U.S. has a really complicated relationship with Vietnam mm-hmm. in terms of the war in the 60s. And um, just, you know, for that reason, too, it would be part of learning our own history as yeah, well. Yeah, Totally. I also have a good friend who's Vietnamese, Ha Quen. She's been in some of my videos. And also, it doesn't hurt that quite a large percentage of the people who watch my YouTube videos that are fans of Rachel's English are in Vietnam. So I think it would also be a great place to go meet some people who use my videos and study with me in the academy and, you know, meet them in person. That's always fun. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like we have some world traveling to do, David. Looking forward to it. Me too. It's just really hard to do that kind of a trip with Stony. I'm afraid we're going to have to wait a couple years before something like that is possible. Yeah, you're probably right. Okay, guys, that's it for this episode, this conversational episode. Have you learned any new phrasal verbs, idioms, or vocabulary words? I hope you have. I hope it's been an interesting way for you to learn some of those things and also a little bit about American culture as we talk about various things. If you would like a copy of the transcript for this podcast, it is absolutely free. Visit rachelsenglish.com slash podcast. Thanks everyone for being here. Thanks David for helping me record this. You're quite welcome. We'll see you guys again next week. In the meantime, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, please subscribe. It's free. You can do this on iTunes or Stitcher. I'd also invite you to leave a review of the podcast. I read all of the reviews, and I love hearing what you guys think of the Rachel's English podcast. Mm-hmm.